Good evening. <laughs> That's what they had old brother Barnard come to town, and he was my age. He was in his early 40s when that happened. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and I want to send the greetings from the brethren there in San Diego and, and California. They, Many of them told me to tell you hello and send their love to you, and it's a, it's a privilege to be here with you, and it's a privilege to, the Lord lets me preach. He and Toss told me earlier, I said, I like preaching. I do. I read some things. Parts of the week I don't <laughs> if I'm looking for a message. But if I think the Lord's gave me something, I'm excited to tell somebody else. I hope this is good for you tonight. If you will, let's turn to Genesis 46. <clears throat> Genesis 46. We've been going through Genesis there in California. And I know you all have here just finished up this summer. and <clears throat> been looking at Joseph for a long time as a picture of Christ. And Jacob, as the Lord calls him, Israel, as he's named, that's us. I'll give you a little background. that Jacob had <clears throat> been cast into prison and were sold off and then cast into prison. And now he's, he's running, his, uh, running Egypt. And his brothers came. They were hungry two years into this famine. And he... he changed his tone with them. It seemed like he was dealing sternly with them and rough, but he was dealing with them in love. It seemed harsh at the time. And he said, you go get your father. Second time they went back. He said, go get your father. I'm going to send wagons. You're going to tell him everything I've told you. And you're going to take these wagons from Pharaoh and you're going to bring him back. I'm going to send witnesses and wagons. I'm going to tell you about it and I'm going to provide the provision for you to return to me. So he did. He sent those to him, and the brethren talked to his brethren talked to their father Jacob, and they said he's alive, and he sent for you, and we're wrong. <laughs> and they told everything that Joseph told, word for word. And Jacob he heard that, and he saw the wagons, and he said, "This is enough. This is enough. This is good. It's everything I've needed. This is all my salvation. This is all my desire." And he's 130 years old. And they said, you're going to get in this wagon and you're going to make a very long, hard journey all the way to your son, Joseph. You're going to go see him. And he said, let's go. Now here in Genesis 46, it begins in verse 1. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto God, the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the vision of the night. And he said, Jacob... Jacob, and he said, here am I, and he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him, and they went to Joseph. The Lord talked to Jacob and his, as a picture of us, and, and he said, you're going to go down to Egypt. Don't you be afraid to go where I'm going to send you. And Joseph's there. That's a picture of Christ. And Pharaoh, picture that God the Father sent these chariots to take you, these wagons to take you. 
And he said, and Joseph's going to put his hand on your eyes. I've heard that preached several ways and it's good. <laughs> Just as the Lord healed the blind man, Christ is going to come to, to his family. He's going to touch our eyes and give us sight. And that's true. But Jacob's going to die one day. Jacob's going to have to die. There's going to come a day that I'm not going to be here anymore. There's a lot of questions I have. We understand things in part. We see through a glass dimly. Some people ask me real hard questions. I said, give me about 60 years, and I'll be able to tell you all about it. Sometime in the next 60 years, I'll, I'll, I'll know as I am known. But right now, I'm, I see through a glass dimly. But Jacob's going to have to die. He must. We must die. Don't we? Turn over to Genesis 47. Genesis 47, verse 27. This will be our text. <clears throat> Genesis 47. Jacob had made it to Egypt, and... Joseph had had him settle in the land of Goshen, the finest land, and they just multiplied. And that famine had been for two years, and they showed up, and he said, you got five years left. It's going to be rough, but the Lord will provide for you. And here in Genesis 47, 27, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was a hundred Forty and seven years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, Joseph speaking, I will do as thou hast said. And Jacob said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. It was time that he must die. All will die. The scriptures say it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And, and seminaries can argue it till the cows come home. If, well, there was those that were translated. And Enoch was not. He walked with God. And the church came down for Elijah, and that's fine. But sometime this is going to stop, and everybody's going to meet the Lord. We understand that. How much better it is. That if the Lord in this Egypt that we live in, he has us to die to self now in this world and live to Christ, and then dying is gain. That's salvation. If we think we're so alive, our biggest hindrance is we breathe oxygen and our heartbeats. We think we're alive spiritually because we're physically alive. But if he makes us, us die to self, he slays us. That law comes and, and, and I died. He's my only hope. Then when this world's over, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To go home is a good thing, isn't it? We don't have here a story of an old father saying goodbye to his son or giving his last will and testament to a favorite son and, and, and establishing the executor of his estate. That's not what we hear here. This is how sinners are saved while we're living here in Egypt. This is precious if the Lord shows to us. And how we are to leave this world. How I want to leave this world. It's not my business to teach people how to live. 
the, the scriptures have instruction for us, and I know what they mean. As we work through a book, these things are obvious. But I hope I'm able to help people to die. You're going to meet your maker one day. We looked it up before. I think it's 150,000 people a day die. That breaks my heart. I want to preach to them. I want this gospel to go forth to them, don't you? Sometimes we have loved ones go. There's a lot to learn in these scriptures, but we're going to meet him. A time must come. Verse 29, Genesis 47, 29, it says, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. We must die now. We have that need and most don't know it. We must die to sin. We must be dead to ourselves. We must be dead to the law or we will perish forever. And for Israel, that's the prince with God. Us, that's us Jacobs <laughs> here. It says we must die. That's good news. You get that? For God's chosen people, those that represent the ones that Christ died for, this is going to happen. God says so. You're going to die. He's going to find every one of his elect. He's going to send somebody to preach a gospel to them. And, and they're going to say, I can't live on my own. I have to have him. He's going to have to close my eyes and heal me and be my redeemer. Israel, the time come that Israel must die. How's that going to take place? What's going to happen for the Lord to cause this to happen? It says, in the time drew nigh that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph. How's this going to happen? Call on the son. Call on the son. How are we going to be dead to this world and, and dead to the sin and, and death and the law and, and live in Christ? We're going to have to call on the son. That's what the Lord asked those Pharisees. They gathered together, and he asked them, he said, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, He's the son of David. He said, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Set thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how's he his son? He posed this question. And in that culture at the time, and until recently, elders were respected, and it would be just preposterous for a father to respect a son or a grandson or something like that. They couldn't understand it because it was just physical deep. Just eat, they were Egypt deep. Wasn't they? I thought of Brother Henry going down and sitting underneath his son, Paul. And whenever he got up in for him, he'd say, our pastor told us. Now, how could he do that? <laughs> he was his pastor, wasn't he? Well, I was a man sent of God. That's what it was. How could David call this offspring of his that's in his house Lord? Well, he might physically be my offspring. That's the eternal one. That's a self He's God. That's who he is. And he revealed himself to him. He bowed to him, didn't he? We are to call the son. It says, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight. I love that word, if. You know what that sets? The whole tone of this event. This, this is the attitude and this is the spirit that Jacob, the father, was speaking to his son. So it physically happened. He said, if. Jacob was humbled to ask correctly. He didn't go in and demand grace. He didn't go in and say, well, there's a whole shelf full of grace and this is my cup. I'm taking it. <laughs> Whoever else wants it, go get it. 
He had a good attitude. He said, if I found grace. He did not have the attitude saying, now, son, I raised you. I fathered you. Do you remember all the things I did for you? I changed your diapers. Remember that coat I made you? That coat of many colors? I know it made the other ones jealous, but look at all the good things I've done for you. He said, I found grace in thy sight. If I found grace in thy sight. Not, well, your, your brethren come back. They did something wrong, and I was, just, I was mad at them for the whole time you've been down here in Egypt, and, and I really missed you, and I cried a lot of tears because of you because I, I just really liked you. He said, if, if I found grace in thy sight. You see this picture of coming to Christ? We come to the Son and we don't demand things to him. We plead for mercy. We plead for grace. That's, now, was that me because I'm so good and I did that? <laughs> he put that heart in him. It was his will and his purpose and his, his wagons that sent for me and brought me there and spoke that grace in my heart to ask him for mercy. If, if, verse 29, and the time drew nigh that Israel must die. This is going to happen. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. What's that? Well, the commentators have a lot to say. It's a sign of a covenant in those days. This was something that was, would take place when a, a covenant was established and that may help them. That, does that help you? <laughs> this is good. We need a covenant. Turn back a little bit to Genesis 24. This is foreshadowed there with Abraham. Abraham had a servant, Eleazar, that was just, I want to be a servant like Eleazar was. He didn't complain and worship the Lord as his master taught him. And, but he was going to send his servant out to go get a bride for his son. You see a picture there? <laughs> Genesis 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go into my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. He said, you put your hand under my thigh. This is this covenant. We're going to swear here. And you're going to swear to me by the God of heaven and earth, you're going to go get a bride I've, de I've decided, <laughs> the bride I've chosen from the place I've chosen for my son. That's a covenant. That's a, there's a true sign, isn't it? But it's explained in the covenant. This is what the, the act was, but this explains the true covenant that we have. Turn over there to Genesis 32. I thought of this. Genesis 32, verse 24. <clears throat> Genesis 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, Here's the blessing. What's your name? 
He said, Jacob, supplanter, cheat, deceiver. If the Lord, if the Lord makes somebody see their sin, that's a blessing, isn't it? And, and what did he do? He got us. We always think our heart. We, we, so I'm, well, if I know my heart, that means we think we know our hearts, don't we? It's deceitful and wicked above all things. But it's a, there's an organ in here that pumps and does something. But you ever had your hip hurt or your lower back go out? That's real common nowadays. It's right in the middle of you. You can't sneeze. You can't wiggle your toes. It just hurts all over, don't it? Right where we're hinged in the middle. And the Lord's come to Jacob and he touched him in the hollow of his thigh. Broke him. Made him submit. And he said, what's your name? He said, I'm called by what I am. I'm sin. And you got that a vulnerable joint. He got touched there. Now back in Genesis 47. He said, you got to put your hand on my thigh. That's what happened to him in Genesis 32. Genesis 47. Verse 29, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. What's he, that's where the Lord broke him, wasn't it? And he said, You support my brokenness. You show me I'm broken. You're going to have to do everything. You put it under my thigh. That's that's my inability right there. And you put your hand on it underneath it and you promise to carry me. I can't. Put your hand under my thigh and carry me. You have to. I'm unable. I know that. Your wagons brought me here. I'm 147 years old. I can't. I'm unable. He says, if I've now found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Deal kindly with me. That word is loving kindness. Deal with me in loving kindness. In the Psalms alone, David uses that specific word, 21 times, no less than 21 times. He says in Psalm 36 that how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. That's how Jacob wanted to be dealt with. That's how I want to be dealt with by the Lord. And loving kindness, deal with me tenderly. And he says, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Because you've dealt with me that way, I trust you, Lord. Dealt so kind to me. He's not an austere man. He's not harsh. That's tender. That's kind. He showed me what I was. He showed me my brokenness. He, and he put his hand under me, and he's going to carry me. Deal with me in loving kindness. He's, David said in Psalm 138, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. Because of that kindness... That loving kindness, and because of your truth, I'm going to worship towards your holy temple. The Lord said what he would do for Gomer, didn't he? He said, I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness. And it doesn't stop there. He said, I'll betroth you to me in mercies. I'll even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. And thou shalt know the Lord. I'm going to be made faithful. 
That's old Darwin said that a couple of years ago. And it's just so simple but so true. A man either preaches the gospel or he don't. You either send a God to preach or you don't. And the only requirement of a steward is not to be good or to do it for a long time. It's to be faithful. He's going to have to make me faithful. And that's awful loving and kind, I think. I want to be made faithful. There in verse 29 again. The time drew nigh and Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Deal with me in loving kindness and it's got to be true. I don't, want you, I, don't, I don't want you to say it. I want you to do it. I, want, I don't want it to be as if you love me. I want you to, this has to be just. This has to be legitimate, above par. <laughs> Pick a phrase. It means good and holy and right. It's got to be true. Turn over Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 1. David says, have mercy upon me, O God. This was after he found out he needed mercy, wasn't it? This is after Nathan come to him and, and he said, you're the man. And David, there ain't nobody else on earth. It's me, I'm guilty. And he needed mercy, so he cried for mercy. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to, this is in direct proportion, according to thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Lord, I've sinned against you. And you need to be just, and I need you to justify me. And this has to be clear when thou judgest. This has to be true and holy when you do it. Turn over to Romans 3. Our brother read that earlier. It would be good to look at it again. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that he might be just, that's true, he might be true, and the justifier, that's kind, that's love, of him which believeth in Jesus. How did we get there? Those wagons brought us, and that providence brought us, and his word and command brought us. He supplied everything. Where's boasting then? Jacob's like, well, I, I was leaning out the side of that wagon. I was pushing that wheel. <laughs> if, that's the attitude. 
if I found grace in your sight. Where's boasting then? It's excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man's justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And that's just. That's true. That's right. Because of Christ, because of his shed blood, because he became me and bore me and I'm, I'm made him. The righteousness of God in him. Because of that, it is perfectly right. It's true. It's acceptable that I, I enter into the presence of a holy triune God that I offended. I was at war with. It's right. I, it's hard for me to say that. <laughs> it's just right. It's right for me to enter, when my mother was alive, to enter her home. I have every right to be there. I didn't go kick the door in and knock tables over. I was respectful, but it's right for me to be there. It's right. David said, although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. He's, he, he's the one that hurt my thigh, and he's the one that put his hand under my thigh, and he's carried me out, and that's, he's revealed that now. What do you think is going to happen when this life's over? He's promised these things. That's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to see it through, isn't he? It's ordered in all things, and it's sure. And this is all my salvation, and it's all my desire. Do you want it any other way? I don't. <laughs> this is wonderful. Although he make it not to grow. It doesn't seem in this world like it's getting any better, does it? Them, them brethren were there in Egypt, and there's two years of famine into it, and they had five years left, and it's bad. It's probably going to get worse, and this body's going to break down more, and we're going to see our sin more, and that's just oh, it's horrible. Doesn't seem like it's growing, but to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, isn't it? In a twinkling of an eye. We'll be conformed to his image and worship him as he deserves to be worshiped and, and, and honor him and speak to him. And he's going to serve us at a supper and teach us things. Oh, what a thought, isn't it? Back in our text. Lord, don't leave me to myself. Don't leave me here in Egypt. Don't just tell me this good news and then make it go away and i got to tread water until this life's over. Don't leave me here in Egypt where I'm a stranger. This isn't my home. Todd read that about Jacob. This spoke a strange tongue in Egypt. And I thought of Joseph. At, there, I don't think there's nothing Joseph's done wrong. I've looked through these scriptures a lot. and We've been in it about a year or so. And, and he, he was wrongfully done by his brethren, and then he got a, falsely accused and cast into prison. They changed his name. They made him learn a new language, and he didn't complain not once. I think I've think got to complain if i got to stop at a stoplight. <laughs> There's some things I'd be mad about in that. Not once. Not once. He just took it, didn't he? But don't leave me here, Jacob says, verse 29. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph. And said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying places. Bury me. Mm. We, we say that we laid somebody to rest, don't we? That's a resting place. They dwell there. And Jacob said, you let me dwell and rest where my fathers rest. And the Lord told him, he said, I'm the God of your father. I want to rest where my fathers rested. 
I want to rest. The same place, the same green pastures that our father Abraham laid down next to, that same shepherd he had, that's, that's what I want. I want no different. Don't you leave me here. I'll be with my brethren in glory with you. Not physically, that wasn't what he's talking about. I mean, that's what they hap- happened, but what a picture. The Lord said, they, 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 they come to him and they said, Abraham's our father. And he said, if Abraham, if you were his children, you would do the works of Abraham. <laughs> he would. You'd want to be where I was, not cast me out. Paul said, they're not all Israel which are of Israel, neither are they the seed of Abraham because they are children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. I want to lie down in the green pastures, the same ones that Abraham did, and every one of our family members. I want to rest, rest in the person and the work of Christ and nothing else. He said in verse 30, But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bear me in their burying places. That's, that's cradle to beyond grave, <laughs> to glory. Lord, keep me. Do it. Save. Save, Lord. And here's Joseph a picture. And he said, Joseph said, I will do as thou hast said. What a promise. Mercy. Done. You, you be everything, Lord. Be my all in all. Done. I'll do it. But I'm weak. Are you weak? I thought of Rahab. Only building left standing in Jericho. <laughs> in that brothel. And they said, well, no, we put this, this scarlet line out the window and this building's going to stand. Got the whole family in there. You thought the parents were disappointed and all these things and now they're sitting in there. And you know. Tell me one more time. I, I know you said what the messengers said. Tell me what those messengers said one more time. I, I've heard it. Now tell me again. Tell me that old, old story one more time. He said, I will do as thou hast said. In verse 31, and he said, Jacob says, Swear unto me. He just did, <laughs> didn't he? Those Pharisees came to the Lord and they said, we, we require a sign. He said, you're the wicked and adulterous generation. Depart from me. And then Thomas said, Lord, I ain't going to believe unless I touch your side. He said, come here, son. Put your hand right there. That's sonship, isn't it? For the one that's our lordship. And Jacob says, swear unto me. And he swear unto me. He swear unto me. And again, and I want to hear his word. It says it right there. How long has that been there? You ever done that? Has it always said that? I want to hear it again and again and again and again. What will happen if the Lord shows us our end? That's what Ecclesiastes says. It's better to be in a house of mourning than in the house of feasting. And the living will lay that to heart. If the Lord shows us our end and it shows us what we are, what's going to happen? We're going to come to the Son. We're going to call on Him. And, and we're going to find grace in His sight. He ain't going to find grace in our sight. We're going to find grace in His sight. And, and he, he, He's made a covenant with us. We weren't even there then. He's going to reveal that covenant to us. And He's going to deal with us lovingly in loving kindness. And He's going to deal with us in truth. This is not going to be pretend. It's not going to be as if or... or in truth, and he's going to carry us, and he's going to promise to us, promise it to us, and he's going to swear it to us again. And then I'm going to get weak next week, and I'm going to worry, and he's going to swear it to us again. Isn't it? What's going to happen if this ha- if the Lord does this in somebody? 
there's going to be a, a response to his ability. Look at verse 31. He said, swear unto me, and he swear unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. He bowed himself. That means he was prostrate. Obeisance. He worshipped. He worshipped. If, if the Lord does these things, you're going to worship. You're going to worship. And I thought, too, back in Genesis 37, you can read it another time, but Joseph had this dream about his brothers, and they said, are you serious? And that's what spurred up they wanted to throw him in a pit get rid of him. But he had another dream, and he said, even the stars and the moons will make obeisance to me. And he told Jacob that, and Jacob said, hold on. Now, that's fine if your brother's about it. You mean me and your mother's going to bow to you? You better stop that. That ain't going to happen. It's we will not make obeisance to you. And then you know what, what it say? He bowed himself upon the bed's head. Jacob made obeisance. If the Lord declares something's going to happen, as Dad said, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> it's done. It's, his word says so, don't it? If the Lord said it, it'll come to pass. And Jacob laid his hand on his eyes. Did, 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 or Joseph laid his hands on Jacob's eyes. And I thought, that's, he closed his eyes in death. The Lord tells, tells us in his word, I'll be with you always. Till the end of the world. I'll close your eyes. Be right there. We'll carry you the whole way and close your eyes at the end and you'll be with me forever. That's a good way to die, isn't it? That's a good way to leave this sin-cursed earth worshiping the sun, making obeisance. I pray he'd let me do that. That'd be a good way, wouldn't it? All right. Brother Todd. Thank you.